thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. And normally we talk about Trekker, the excellent adventure comics written and illustrated by Ron Randall. They're about sci-fi bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair, but this time we have another one of our occasional tangent episodes. In the past, we featured tangent episodes on Supergirl and Star Wars that featured art by Ron Randall, and we covered his work on Justice League Spectacular to coincide with the release of Batman v Superman. This episode is going out in September 2016, and we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the original classic Star Trek television series. We'll be talking about the television series, the movies, and the comics, including Star Trek Unlimited, which features art by Ron Randall. And stay tuned later in the episode when we'll share some of the great comments and feedback we've received since last time. But before we get started, let's have a brief introduction to Trekker Talk for those listening for the first time. This is a fan podcast. We're not affiliated with Ron Randall, and the opinions expressed are just ours. We do the podcast simply because we love reading and talking about Trekker and Ron Randall's other comics. For those of you unfamiliar with Trekker, it's a fast-paced adventure series about bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair. She lives in the city of New Gellif on Earth in the 23rd century. The stories vary from star-spanning sci-fi adventures to dark noir mysteries set in the dangerous backstreets of New Gellif, as well as retro westerns like the current story Chapel Town. The series is filled with action, adventure, science fiction, a fully realized world, and well-rounded and interesting characters. We encourage everyone to check it out. So please consider visiting trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. It features a new page of Trekker material each Monday, making it easy to sample the many great things that Trekker has to offer. You will also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram, as well as a link to his Patreon page where you can donate to help support their creation of brand new Trekker material if you'd like. Also at the Trekker comic website, you'll occasionally find interesting posts on Thursday. That's where Ron Randall occasionally shares key inspirations and insights into how he creates comics, as well as the latest news about Mercy St. Clair. Ron Randall also has a newsletter that we encourage everyone to sign up for. The most recent issue talks about his upcoming appearances at Baltimore Comic Con and Rose City Comic Con. The issue also features the art he's done for the Baltimore Comic Con yearbook. This year's theme is Archie Comics, and his drawing features a humorous scene of Mercy, Molly, and Scuff at the beach with Archie and the gang. In that newsletter, Ron Randall also features the commission that he did that Darren gave me for our anniversary in August. It's a gorgeous scene of the two of us as bounty hunters in the Trekker universe. You can even see Mercy St. Clair on patrol in the background. It's gorgeous, and I love it, and I applaud the two of them for keeping it secret and surprising me. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and I'm glad you loved it so much. And the comics we'll be talking about in a few minutes aren't the only connection that Ron Randall has to Star Trek, because it turns out that he and some of the other members of Helioscope Studios are in a band called the Wesley Crushers. Isn't that cool? In fact, they just recently had a show and shared photos and clips on Twitter. It looked like lots of fun. We would love to share your comments in a future episode. So please write in and let us know what you think of this or any episode. We always enjoy hearing other points of view, and we think it makes the show much more fun for everyone. So write in and let us know what you think. Stop by trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media connections or send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com and we'll include your comments in a future episode. But now, let's talk Star Trek.
There has never been a time that the original Star Trek TV series wasn't part of my life. It's the show I can remember having to get home in time to watch. The earliest drawings I did as a kid were of Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock on various adventures. Honestly, no one other than me could probably recognize they were drawings of Kirk and Spock. Even with the aid of seeing one figure was always colored gold and the other was always colored blue and had oddly shaped ears. Now, I must disagree, because I've seen some of those drawings in boxes from your parents, and I could recognize who those characters were. Yeah, you're generous. As they say, love is blind. Hey, I see just fine. Well, with my glasses. We lived in a very rural area, long before the proliferation of cable channels. And while Star Trek did run in syndication in our area for a while, it was generally gone from the channels we got by the time of the 10th anniversary in 1976. The nearest towns of any size were the Tri-Cities of Bristol, Kingsport, and Johnson City, and they were each an hour and a half away. Thankfully, my parents would take me to the Tri-Cities occasionally, and there was a great bookstore that we would stop at, and over time I was able to collect the short story adaptations of the episodes that were written by James Blish, so that I could revisit the episodes. And we would visit my dad's family near Washington, D.C. for a week every summer, and I could always count on Star Trek being on a channel there, so I would get to watch five episodes in five days. That was great. I didn't have as much exposure to the TV series early on. My father was a science fiction fan, but he and my mother were both readers, and we rarely had the TV on in our house when I was growing up. So while I was reading and enjoying sci-fi books, I didn't really watch much sci-fi TV or see many sci-fi movies. I was familiar with the series, but didn't have a strong connection to it at the time. loved the animated series and honestly considered it to be the show's fourth season. It featured the original voice cast and the episodes were written by writers from the original series. The only difference was it was animated and I had no problem with that. There was a period of time when the animated series was on that I could watch Star Trek six times a week, a live action series Monday through Friday after school and the animated series on Saturday mornings. It was fabulous. Like I said earlier, it was a rural area, and it was in the mountains of southwestern Virginia, so we would get lots of snow during the winter and would miss many school days due to bad weather. Then when spring would come, we would have to go to school on Saturdays to make up those missed days. I can remember being so disappointed going to school on Saturdays because I wouldn't get to watch the animated Star Trek. There were many models and toys out during the 1970s. As a kid, I used to play Star Trek with my good friends Jeff and Chris, and to this day they still remind me that I would always insist on being Captain Kirk. I can remember putting together models of the Enterprise and the Klingon battlecruiser with my dad, as well as models of the phaser, tricorder, and communicator. I used to carry the communicator in my back pocket when I would go to school, until that day I forgot to take it out of my pocket and sat down on it, crushing it to pieces. Oh, that's so sad. I had some of the power records, which I'm sure will make Rob and Chris happy. And I had most of the Mego Star Trek figures, as well as the bridge playset, and still have them today. Though the elastic has sadly broken in most of the figures. That's sad, too. Your poor toys. And speaking of models, our good friend Steve is a terrific model builder and frequently puts together model ships from the Star Trek universe. And he always shares photos of his progress with us. They're always superb. Of course, there were also Star Trek comics in the 1970s from Gold Key. 
I've mentioned before the single grocery store with a single spinner rack in our small town where my mom would take me to buy comics, and occasionally I could find Star Trek. The issues featured great covers with photos from the series, but inside the characters and stories didn't really resemble Star Trek very much. But that didn't bother me. I was a kid and it was Star Trek and I loved it. And later on, I remember buying you a bunch of back issues of DC and Marvel Star Trek comics in the 1980s and gave them to you. And I remember how happy it made me that you didn't have any of those issues in your collection. Star Wars came along in 1977 and suddenly science fiction was a very big deal, and Paramount started talking about making new episodes of Star Trek for syndication. The new episodes were going to use the title Star Trek Phase 2 and feature most of the original cast, but Leonard Nimoy wasn't going to return as Mr. Spock. There was no internet then, but I can remember how exciting it was to stumble onto tidbits of information about the upcoming series during 1978. Of course, that TV series never came to pass but instead transformed into Star Trek The Motion Picture in December 1979. As I mentioned, it was a small town in a rural area. We did have a single-screen cinema in town, but it was only open on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and only played second-run movies. It was too small of an area to get a new release movie. So I had to wait for two weeks until Christmas vacation started when my parents drove me 90 minutes to the Tri-Cities to see the movie. Say what you want about that movie, but I can still remember the thrill of watching the characters I loved and seeing the Enterprise on the big screen. I was enthralled for two hours. Then came Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, in 1982. Darren and I were dating at the time, and I was fully aware of his Star Trek fandom, and I was trying to catch up so I could understand what was going on. My dad liked gadgets and bought a VCR in 1980, long before they were common. We didn't have much money, but that was something he really wanted, and he saved for it until he could afford it. I remember the VCR cost almost $1,000, and blank tapes were $25 each, and in 1980, that was a lot of money. However, it was great because Paramount released five Star Trek VHS tapes, each containing two episodes, along with Star Trek The Motion Picture, and my parents bought those for me for Christmas. And that meant there were ten episodes of Star Trek I could watch, as well as the first movie before seeing The Wrath of Khan. I was impressed by the writing for the show, and of course the characters. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the interactions among Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Having watched very little television growing up, I didn't know a show could be that good. I was hooked. Of course, everyone loves Star Trek too because it's a great movie, and I loved it too. It's full of adventure with strong performances and a heartbreaking ending. It was the real beginning of my Star Trek fandom, and we saw each of the other movies with the original cast as they were released. In 1985, Paramount started releasing the entire Star Trek TV series on VHS in order. They would release 10 tapes at a time, with one episode on each tape, for about $15. 
To celebrate the home video release, there was a video store in the Tri-Cities that actually got Scotty himself, James Doohan, to come to the store for the release of the first set of tapes, and we were there. He was the first member of the cast we met, and he was delightful, and we got a Polaroid picture of us with him that he signed. There were several months in between the release of each set of tapes. I was in college and working part-time, and I would save up so I would be ready to buy each new set of tapes when they were released. It was a struggle to save up when other expenses would get in the way, but we managed to collect all 79 episodes over the years as those tapes were released. And we kept those tapes until the series was later released on DVD, and then sadly sold them on eBay because we needed the room in our house. In addition to releasing the series on VHS tape in the 1980s, Paramount also released the episodes on Laserdisc, and that new availability of the series led to a Star Trek fan club forming in the Tri-Cities. One of the fans who helped start the club was the director of the planetarium at Bays Mountain Park in Kingsport, and he was collecting the series on Laserdisc. So the club meetings would be held once a month on Monday nights, and we would watch an episode of the series on the giant dome of the planetarium and then discuss the episode afterwards. That was great. It was a 90-minute drive for us each way, but we would go almost every month because it was a fun club and a great group of fans. Yes, we made many good friends there, including Robert, Jimmy, Mike, and many others. Then came the fortunate night when a travel agent came to the club meeting to talk about a new cruise that was coming up. It was Trek Cruise 87, and it was going to be a chance to spend a weekend with most of the cast of the series cruising around the Bahamas. I went straight home and told my parents all about it. My mom and dad were both supportive of my fandom, and they got the information about the cruise and started looking into it. We were going to get married in 1988, so Darren's parents gave us that trip as an early wedding present, so we got to go on Trek Cruise 87. My dad was also a Star Trek fan, so my mom and dad went along with us, and all four of us got to spend an entire weekend cruising around the Bahamas with most of the cast, including DeForest Kelly, James Doohan, Nichelle Nichols, George Takei, Walter Koenig, Grace Lee Whitney, Majel Barrett, Mark Leonard, Robin Curtis, and writer David Gerald. There would be discussion panels out on the deck of the ship with each of the guests, as well as opportunities to go on excursions with them when we were in dock. I remember touring an aquarium with George Decay and Nichelle Nichols. Such fun. In addition, Nichelle Nichols and Grace Lee Whitney both had concerts in the ship's theater one evening. That was fantastic. Plus, I remember running around the ship with a copy of the script for Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, getting autographs from most of the members of the cast on the cover. And we still treasure that copy of the script today. And on the last day, as we were disembarking, I got a big hug from Mark Leonard. It was a magical weekend. Neither William Shatner nor Leonard Nimoy were on the cruise, but we got the chance to meet the two of them in 1991 when they went on a tour together to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the series. We happened to be in Bowling Green, Ohio at the time, and one of the stops on their tour was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we went to listen to their many stories and memories. There were no autographs or photos, but we were thrilled to have gotten the chance to see them in person. The early 1990s was also a good time for Star Trek video games, and our two favorites were Star Trek 25th Anniversary and its sequel, Star Trek Judgment Rights. They were puzzle-based adventure games with great graphics for the time. 
Each game was divided into multiple episodes, so it was almost like each game was another season of the classic series. Another thing we enjoyed during the 1990s was that they began releasing audiobook versions of many of the Star Trek novels from the 1980s and 1990s. We used to buy those on audio cassette and listen to them on long drives. Some of the audiobooks were even read by James Doohan and George Decay, which was a treat. It was lots of fun to listen to those books. Over the years, we've attended many other conventions and have had the opportunity to see most of the members of the cast again. And in 2009, we had the chance to see William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy together at DragonCon, where we were finally able to get their autographs and get a photo taken with the two of them. It was wonderful to see the two of them together again. They told so many funny stories. It was obvious they were good friends because of the way they would joke with each other, and they would often finish each other's sentences. We also had a chance to see William Shatner's live one-man show, Shatner's World, a couple of years ago. It's a wonderful way to hear his entire autobiography firsthand, punctuated with great one-liners, while fantastic photos and film clips are shown on a screen behind him. It's really a great show. And now it's the 50th anniversary, which is very difficult to believe, but we've been trying to celebrate it in any way we can. A few months ago, we had the opportunity to see the 50th anniversary concert tour when it stopped in our area, and of course we went to the new movie, which we both thoroughly enjoyed. We were talking about wedding anniversary gifts earlier, and Ruth got me a great gift as well, which is a remote-controlled Starship Enterprise that I can fly around the backyard. It's lots of fun and is the perfect anniversary gift for a Star Trek fan to receive during the 50th anniversary of the series. Thank you, Ruth. You're welcome. We hope you've all enjoyed listening to our Star Trek memories, but now let's transition to talking about Ron Randall's comics, because that's what Trekker Talk is all about. And he worked on a great comic series titled Star Trek Unlimited from 1996 to 1998. It was an interesting idea for a series. Each issue was double length and most featured two stories. One set in the timeline of the original Star Trek series and one set in the timeline of The Next Generation. Ron Randall usually drew The Next Generation stories and I'm sure those issues mean lots to him because he had the opportunity to work with Al Williamson. If you've ever heard Ron Randall talk about his inspirations and influences, then you've heard him talk about Al Williamson and the amazing work he did on Flash Gordon. There were 10 issues of Star Trek Unlimited released every other month from November 1996 to July 1998. So the series started in 1996 during the 30th anniversary year, and that means it is now the 20th anniversary of Star Trek Unlimited, and this is our 20th episode. Did we plan that? No, just cosmic coincidence, I'm sure. Issues 1 through 9 are all written by Dan Abnett and Ian Edgington. Issue number 1 includes two full-length stories. The cover is by Kev Sutherland. No relation. And features Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Uhuru from the original series. Dying of the Light is an original series story featuring an encounter with the Gorn with pencils by Mark Buckingham and inks by Kev Sutherland with colors by Kevin Summers. Directives is a next-generation story featuring the crew of the Enterprise trying to aid a planet seemingly suffering from a natural disaster, but it turns out to be something more sinister. Pencils are by Ron Randall, Carlos Garzon, and Jerome Moore, with inks by Al Williamson and Derek Fisher. Likenesses of the characters are great throughout, and scenes of the Enterprise and other ships are beautiful.
Issue 2 includes two full-length stories. The cover is by Ron Randall and Al Williamson and features Picard, Riker, and Troy. Action of the Tiger is an original series story featuring an encounter with the Klingons. Pencils are by Mark Buckingham, inks by Kev Sutherland, and colors by Kevin Summers. The Unkindest Cut is a next-generation story that starts with the Enterprise crew on shore leave following a stressful mission. Pencils are by Ron Randall, inks by Al Williamson, and colors by Kevin Summers. The opening page of the Enterprise is gorgeous, and it's immediately followed by a fun scene at a market that I really enjoyed. There's an explosion a few pages in, illustrating Ron Randall's ability to capture movement that is particularly striking. Issue number three again includes two full-length stories. The cover is by Kev Sutherland and Mark Buckingham, and it features Uhura in a spacesuit with a shuttlecraft in the background. Message in a Bottle is an original series story with pencils by Mark Buckingham, inks by Kev Sutherland, and colors by Kevin Summers. The story is a nice spotlight for a Lieutenant Uhuru who takes charge when things go wrong during a shuttlecraft mission. Sins of the Fathers is a next-generation story with the Enterprise crew facing challenges during an aid mission. Pencils are by Ron Randall, inks by Al Williamson, and colors by Kevin Tinsley. There's a really nice opening page featuring Picard and an exciting phaser battle a few pages in, and near the end is a spectacular aerial dogfight featuring multiple shuttles. Issue 4 includes two full-length stories. Both stories feature encounters with the Romulans, which is a bonus for me since stories with the Romulans are always among my favorites. The cover is by Ron Randall and Al Williamson and features Geordi LaForge. None But the Brave is an original series story with pencils by Mark Buckingham, inks by Kev Sutherland, and colors by Kevin Summers. Inheritance is a next-generation story with pencils by Ron Randall, inks by Al Williamson, and colors by Kevin Tinsley. The issue gives Ron Randall the opportunity to draw several sequences with Romulan ships, which are real highlights of the issue in my opinion. Romulan ships were always my favorites. Issue number five again includes two full-length stories. The cover is by Ron Randall and Art Nichols and features Riker surrounded by the Borg. As Flies to Wanton Boys is an original series story about a crash shuttlecraft with pencils by Tom Morgan, inks by Kev Sutherland, and colors by Kevin Summers. Secret Lives is a next-generation story with the crew investigating the loss of contact with a deep space array. Pencils are by Ron Randall, inks by Al Williamson, and colors by Kevin Tinsley. There's a spectacular two-page spread of the Enterprise at the beginning of the issue, and the story is action-packed. Issue 6 includes a double-length next-generation story. The cover features a scene of Picard seeming to be strangled by a shadowy figure. Heart of Darkness features pencils by Ron Randall and inks by Art Nichols with colors by Kevin Tinsley. It was part of the Telepathy War crossover event that also included issues from the Starfleet Academy, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager comics. The opening page is a stunning scene of Deep Space Nine with multiple ships in orbit and is followed by a spectacular two-page spread of several ships arriving, including the Enterprise. The issue features multiple battles in outer space that really give Ron Randall the chance to show off his excellent technical drawing skills.
Issue number seven includes another double-length story. The cover is by Vince Evans and features the Starfleet insignias from the classic series and the next generation against a black background. An Infinite Jest features pencils by Ron Randall and Tom Morgan, with inks by Art Nichols and Scott Hanna. Colors are by Kevin Tinsley and Kevin Summers. The story opens with Trelane from the classic series and Q from The Next Generation, playing chess, and from there a story unfolds featuring characters from both generations overlapping and interacting. It's a couple of great characters to put together and makes for a very fun story, and the art is amazing throughout the issue. Issue 8 includes three stories. The stories are set at different periods of time in the Star Trek universe, but all three stories take place on the Klingon Day of Honor. The cover features multiple versions of Kirk from different periods of time in the background, while Sulu is being attacked by a Klingon in the foreground. The Boy is a next-generation story and features pencils and inks by Steve Pugh. The Veteran is an original series story featuring Sulu, along with multiple Kirks from different periods of time. Pencils are by Tom Morgan and inks by Scott Hanna. The Warrior is a next-generation story featuring Worf with pencils by Ron Randall and inks by Randy Elliott. Colors for all three stories are by Kevin Tinsley. Ron Randall, again, gets to show off his command of scenery and movement as Worf is engaged in multiple battles in a lush jungle environment throughout the story. Issue number nine includes a double-length story set during the time of the original series. The story features Sulu and Chekhov in the lead roles in an encounter with the Klingons. Pencils are by Greg Scott and inks are by Joe Rubenstein, with colors by Kevin Tinsley. This is a great issue, but all I can say is that something definitely went wrong with the planning of this issue, because the title of the story is Trekkers, and obviously Ron Randall should have drawn the art on this issue. Come on, Trekkers. Ron Randall. It was meant to be. Only it didn't happen. Aww. A Piece of Reaction is the final issue and is written by Michael A. Martin and Andy Mangles. The cover and interior pencils are by Ron Randall and cover and interior inks by Art Nichols. Colors are by Kevin Tinsley. This is a double-length Next Generation story that is a sequel to the classic series episode A Piece of the Action, similar to the way the Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations is a sequel to the classic series episode The Trouble with Tribbles. As with an earlier issue, Ron Randall teases us with a great panel of the Enterprise on the first page, but when we turn the page, we get a glorious two-page spread of the Enterprise in orbit. Plus, we get some great images of the crew and period costumes throughout this very fun story. Ron Randall does a great job of capturing the likenesses of the characters from the next generation, and his drawings of the Enterprise and other ships are dynamic. I know Brian Mulvey can attest to this. He owns a wonderful original drawing of Captain Picard and the Enterprise by Ron Randall that he's shared with us in the past. We'll be sure to post that on our social media pages. For this podcast, we took a very high-level look at this series and focused primarily on the Next Generation stories that feature art by Ron Randall. But we want to emphasize that this entire series is really fun and features great art throughout. It's a series that any Star Trek fan would enjoy. Sadly, it isn't available on Comixology, but if you can find it at a convention or at your local comic shop, we definitely recommend that you pick it up. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time. 
Thanks to everyone for all of the great comments. We appreciate how much they add to the show. So a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write in or to get in touch through social media. Gene Hendricks of the Hammer Strikes and Anime Freaks podcasts gave us some great feedback about the last episode. His podcasts cover a wide variety of topics. And just earlier this year, we were guests on an episode of his Legends of the Superhero show. There, we talked about the fun television series Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. In addition to science fiction, comics, and anime, Gene also knows lots about mythology and legends. Last summer, he devoted episode 13 of The Hammer Strikes to Norse mythology. So it was a pleasure to have him listen to our tangent episode about Thor and Loki in the Land of Giants by Jeff Limke and Ron Randall, and then give us some great feedback. Gene wrote, I really enjoyed your episode on the journey of Thor and Loki to Jotunheim. I was kind of surprised that you hadn't heard of this story, since I thought that it was one of the most famous tales of Thor. Then I realized that a famous tale of Thor isn't exactly widely known, beyond certain circles, so I dialed back my shock. This sounds like a very faithful adaptation of the story, right down to the reason they can't take the chariot all the way. Gene looked up some of the artwork and said Ron Randall did a wonderful job as usual. I would have preferred that Thor was not wearing armor and a helmet, since the Norse Thor has sometimes been confused with a farmer for the way he dresses, but this is a minor nitpick. I'm sad to say that I don't have this or any of the Graphic Universe books in my collection, but I just may try and correct that now that it's on my radar. And he let us know that if we want more comic adventures with the two goats Toothnasher and Toothgrinder, we should read Walt Simonson's run on Thor, especially issues 365 and 366. And for those of you who would enjoy more podcasts connected to Thor, try out the Mighty Thorcast by the terrific podcasting duo Ed and Terry Moore of Till Productions. And tune in to Radio Free Asgard, where in addition to covering Thor comics, some episodes just focus on Norse myths. We'll include links in our show notes. When we posted that episode, Dr. G of the Pulp to Pixel podcast said, I can't wait to hear the episode. Gotta grab this title as well. We appreciated hearing from Josh Griff, who let us know he had read and enjoyed the Thor and Loki book. And John Baker chimed in about the episode saying, It was very interesting and that he learned some cool stuff. We want to send out a big thank you to Pablo Ventura, who gave us a sneak peek of not one, but two different Mercy St. Clair fan sketches that he's been working on. Then he totally surprised us with a third. They are all amazing, and each with a very different pose. Just look for them on our social media. Pablo grew up reading Trekker, and that excellent introduction into comics sparked his love of drawing comics, too. Thanks, Pablo. On their Waiting for Doom podcast, Paul and Mike talked about the excellent comic Four Seconds. It's written by Paul O'Connor, with art by Carl Kiesel and colors by Grace Allison. We sent Paul and Mike a tweet telling them to be sure to look in the background for a cameo of Mercy St. Clair, as well as a cameo by Carl Kiesel's Johnny Zombie. We'll be covering the fun story City of the Dead in a few episodes that features those two characters in an adventure together. For those interested, Four Seconds is a noir thriller about a petty thief who discovers she can see four seconds into the future. You can read it for free at Mark Wade's Thrillbent, We'll put a link in the show notes. Ashford posted on Twitter to let us know he received the signed copy of The Train to Avalon Bay, which is the prize he won in our recent iTunes review contest. Glad you liked it, Ashford. We recently had the chance to hang out with the irredeemable shag of the Fire and Water podcast and Keith G. Baker, who has so much comic knowledge that we were in awe. It was a great evening, and we really appreciate both of them spending that time with us. Thank you, guys. Ron Randall recently worked on the new series Future Quest. He did some terrific pages for issues 2 and 4. Johnny Quest is part of the series, along with a variety of other Hanna-Barbera characters, including Space Ghost. And with terrific timing, Mark Sweeney recently covered the Johnny Quest comics from Comico on his podcast, I'm the Gun. 
I think the 1960s Johnny Quest is one of the best animated TV series ever, and those comics from the 1980s were excellent and very faithful to the TV series. I really enjoyed the podcast and followed up with an email exchange with Mark. For those Johnny Quest fans out there, we'll put a link to the episode in our show notes. Brian Hackney did some great tweets to promote Trekker and Ron Randall's upcoming appearance at Rose City Comic Con. We're going to be at that con, and we're looking forward to meeting up with several other Trekker fans there. Tony Greenall has supported Trekker Talk from the start, and he does a great job of cleverly promoting us on Twitter. We had a nice exchange with him about the Retroist podcast, where they cover a variety of topics, including great films like Buckaroo Banzai, which really grabbed Tony's attention, and fun TV shows like Wizards and Warriors. Also, Tony Greenall just made a guest appearance on Pro Wrestling Now, in which he chatted about wrestling shows in the Yorkshire area and how he first got interested in wrestling. It was lots of fun. Great job, Tony, and we'll include a link in our show notes. A silhouette on a new Trekker page caught Brian Mulvey's eye, and he was quick to correctly guess it would be a favorite of mine, since I always like silhouette images. On social media, we spotted an adorable commission by Ron Randall from Northwest Comic Fest titled My Little Trekker. Ron Randall perfectly morphed Mercy into a My Little Pony character and made her completely adorable. This definitely would make a very different series for Trekker. And like us, Cullen Stapleton and several other Ron Randall fans really enjoyed seeing it and shared comments about it. Darren posted a photo on Facebook of Mercy using her combination scarf-cape as a weapon in Vincent Cher from Trekker. He speculated that, being both a scarf and a cape, perhaps it should be named Escape. Then Ron Randall's daughter, Lisa, chimed in with a clever alternative, Carfe, which I thought was a great name. I wonder if Lisa should get a trademark for that. Ron Randall regularly offers detailed explanations about the new pages on his Patreon site. Darren commented about something he noticed on a recent page from Chapeltown, and Ron wrote a great reply. I'll share part of it here. Little touches are things that should work for a reader without them being consciously aware of them as the story unfolds. If it calls attention to itself, it's pulling you out of the story. I want people to first experience the story I'm telling and enjoy it. Then, after that, if they feel like going back and revisiting moments or details to further enjoy the experience, that's even more flattering. On Ron Randall's Trekker Facebook page, he shared a nice comment about us, saying that we present an excellent Trekker podcast as a way to celebrate and spread the word about our favorite sci-fi bounty hunter. Thank you, Ron. And we'll close this section with the appreciation Ron shared for all Trekker fans, adding that, Every effort you each make by recommending the series, by sharing, liking, and posting, and simply by following and reading the stories helps in both immeasurable and in very tangible ways as we continue to expand our Trekker empire. Here's to you all. We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last time. These are people who commented on or shared posts from us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Your support helps draw attention to the podcast, and best of all, helps to spread the word about the Trekker series. And please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It could really help make the show easier to find in searches. So before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct it in the next episode. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know. We'd be happy to correct that next time as well. Ange of the Supergirl Comic Bucks Commentary Blog. Ashford of Feathers and Foes and Straight Outta Gallifrey. BC Fan 101, Ben Robbins, Bradley Null, Brian Mulvey, Captain Marvel 75, Chris, Comic Cruncher, Dark Side is Here, David Jarvis, Diablo Frank of the Idle Head of Diablo Martian Manhunter blog, Eduardo Escobar, A. So, Eli, 
Eric Mannix of Out of the Fridge and Pages for All Ages, Eric Rivera, Frankie Miller, Gary Nelson, Gene Hendricks from The Hammer Strikes and Anime Freaks, Helioscope Studio, Ignacio Aguero, Isaac Garcia, Ivan Henley, James Longstreth, Jason Thim, Jeremiah Grinson, Colors Du Jour Jeremy Colwell, Jerry McMullen of The Worst Comics Podcast Ever, in name only, Jesse Hamm of Helioscope Studio, Joe Crawford from the blog for the Non-Discerning Reader, John Forker, Karim Ahmed Hamdan, Karen Williams of Between the Pages, Kyle Benning of King Size Comics Giant Size Fun and the Superman Captain Marvel Power Hour, Kyle Nez, Lori Sutton, writer of You Choose Adventure Books, Let's Talk Masters of the Universe, Longbox Graveyard, a.k.a. Paul O'Connor, writer of Four Seconds, Mark Sweeney from I'm the Gun blog and podcast and comic couplets, Martin Gray of the Too Dangerous blog, Michael Carlisle of the Crapbox Son of Cthulhu blog, Michael Chen, Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age, Mike Ratliff, Miles Colon, Nick Capone, Patrick Briot, Patrick Clancy, Patrick Siegler, Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast, Paul Scavito, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Rob Salmagi, Robert Talbert, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ron and Lynn Randall, Lisa Randall, Kimberly Randall, Ruth Reese, Ryan Daly of The Power of Fishnets, Secret Origins, and many other podcasts, Shag of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, also known as Firestorm Fan, Sean Vogt, Silver and Gold Podcast, Siskoid of Siskoid's Blog of Geekery, Stephen Wolf New Gods, Stuart Robinson, Talk Nerdy to Me, Talking Spider-Verse, Terrence Friday, Terrence Simpson, Thomas Matula, Tony Greenall, Travis Washington, Two True Freaks Podcast Network, Vic Sage, a.k.a. Larry Looper Jr., and writer for The Retroist and host for the Radio Memories Podcast, Warren Montgomery of Willow Comics, Weird Science DC, and Zeb Oswald. It's time for the Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who has gone above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. This person has supported the show with lots of likes and shares on Facebook and Twitter. As a podcaster himself, he has given us helpful tips and suggestions and was the first person to invite us to be guests on one of his shows, making us feel very welcome. So we lift our glasses and give a thankful Trekker Toast to Gene Hendricks. Congratulations, Gene. And it has nothing to do with you also being a Star Trek fan that we decided to save your award for this Star Trek-themed episode. And thanks, Gene, for all the great Norse mythology information, too. And we'll be back after we play a couple of promos from other podcasts that you might enjoy. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. 
Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. Water Podcast, a weekly show about movies old and new, hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests. From sci-fi to horror, dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics, we watch it all. The Film and Water Podcast is part of the Fire and Water family of podcasts, available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Every review helps the show be more likely to show up in search results to help get the show noticed and perhaps attract more listeners to Grow Trek or fandom. And please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when there's a new episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you want to contact us directly, send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr using the name Trekker Talk. And you can always visit trekkertalk.com for links to all of our social media pages. Please use hashtag trekkercomic and hashtag trekkertalk in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversation. For those of you interested in the music that Ron Randall listens to while working on Trekker, he uses the hashtag Trekker soundtrack. Remember, at trekkercomic.com, you'll find a new page every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall. You'll see that he often replies to tweets and Facebook posts, as well as on his Patreon site. This episode features music from the albums The Best of Star Trek, 30th Anniversary Soundtrack, Star Trek, the original series soundtracks, Volumes 1 through 3, Star Trek, the motion picture, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan soundtracks, as well as sound effects from the album Star Trek, the original TV series sound effects. If you're a Star Trek fan, consider checking out these fun albums. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. (laughs) 